episode two of Pints and Politics with Representative Heath Sessions and Representative Brandon Guffey. Um, so, Heath, we will uh, go ahead and recap week one. Yeah, well, let's uh, before we get into it, let's let's uh, talk about the beer we got this week. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Comer Distributing, again for um, sponsoring this episode. We're featuring uh, Slow Plays. Mow Your Lawn Later. Yeah, right. Which and is... Now, this is your favorite beer. This is day. my favorite beer. Okay. It's kind of... Uh, it's, it's... I don't know. I said before, I kind of like the watery tasting beer. <laughs> um, so, it's supposed to be light and refreshing. It's not something that is super strong, but it has a good flavor to it. Yeah. Um, but a very light beer. And um, it's one of the few beers, like if, you know... It's a fa- locally crafted beer night. that would compared to what Miller Lite I, I would but, say and again I'm not I, I would don't want in between a Coors Light maybe a fat tire okay so a little bit of flavor like a fat tire but yep. very light so um you know mad props to Ben and his team over at Slow Play for brewing a great yes. easy drinking beer so and we've also got a sponsor this week that we are recording out of a new studio right now um which is at 742 North it's a co-working space on Anderson Road. Um, they've been gracious enough to allow us to come in here, and it is a place that rents out the podcast space. We had a lot of people reach out and ask us, you know, how do I go about doing a podcast? And this is one of the places where you can rent it. I think he said it's $25 per episode yeah. or $100 a month. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, and and they also have co-working space starting out at, what did he say? Yeah, 150 up to, you know, the, the, the premium luxury 950 a month, just depending on what yeah. your needs are as a business. Um, the 150 obviously gets you a, a workspace. It's not exclusive, but it's a workspace you can set up, tap into the Wi-Fi. It's got coffee here. All the things that a typical office has but at a, a very uh, low price, affordable, especially for startup businesses and things like that. So Right. Wonderful idea. It's yeah. one of those things like I have to get out of the house. I can't work at home with a five-year-old. Yeah. Or even if the five-year-old's at school, the wife or the dogs yeah. or something. Yep. Um, and with me selling my business, I can't just or, go to the Or office. if it's uh, you know Martin Luther King Day, it's a federal holiday, yeah. your kids are out of school, <laughs> and you still have to work, and, you know. You don't have to listen to 16-year-olds Changing yelling at plans, someone on a video so, game. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. All right. So, recap. Uh, we've had a ton of, a lot more listeners than two, which was your original projection. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you know, you, you set that expectation reasonable to low, and then you just sail right over the bar. So, um, I don't know exactly how many listens we've got. That's more of Tad's. Uh, oh, which is another shout-out we've got to give. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Tad uh, is with Hometown Ops has been our producer and does an awesome job. Um, I met Tad years ago whenever I first got involved in politics, and Tad's kind of like my right-hand man, man. I, I can't do anything without Tad, yeah. that's for sure. Yep. So, uh, busy week last week, man. How you uh Lots getting, of drama. You, you getting your uh, legs underneath <laughs> you yet? or? Yeah, well, I was sick Tuesday. Oh, that's right. So I missed uh, the first caucus meeting. Yep. And then I uh, I missed things on Tuesday. I came in Wednesday midday. I tell in. you, it, it's good to be a judiciary uh, committee member, you know, in week one of, of uh, <laughs> 2024, because if you were on 3M, you were busy. You know, yes. you, you, were, you were working. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so as last week we previewed, um, 3M was busy right out the gates. Um, 
kudos to uh, subcommittee chair Mark Smith on the medical subcommittee. I thought he ran a great, um, respectful meeting. Um, and, you know, we had some hot topics that we were we were hearing testimony on. So um, that the first bill that the medical subcommittee tackled on Tuesday was the xylazine bill, better known as the zombie drug. If, you, if you're on Twitter or any social media, you've seen it. Um, Portland, Philly, Chicago. Uh, I mean, it's bad. These folks are taking it, and they're just walking around like zombies. So yeah. Um, or, or just a bad episode of uh, Walking Dead. You and know? Don Chapman was trying to – that was one of the things he was passionate about last year. And yeah, uh, I'm glad to see that we just kind of kicked off on it. Right yep, away. yep. And, and after last week, I did um, check in with law enforcement and our solicitor's office. The good news is there has not been a recorded case or charge of xylazine. So um, th- this is a testament to our legislator – legislature and uh, our members getting out in front of these issues. Being proactive instead right. of reactive. Yeah. I One mean, of the big complaints that I always hear is this isn't happening in South Carolina. So why are y'all wasting time on yeah. this is the way they frame yeah. it. It's not wasting time. As both of us ran, we both ran on being proactive instead of being reactive. And South Carolina's historically been reactive. So. Right, right. And, well, and, and who can't support a safe neighborhood? Right. You know? So uh, that, that's an easy win. Um, we went ahead and kicked that out of, uh, we, you know, I think it was unanimous vote out of medical subcommittee, heard it in full committee on Wednesday, and we've, we've pushed it onto the floor. So we'll be yes. – I think we got first reading. Actually, it, it stayed on the uncontested calendar. Well, it will be second reading. Right? Okay. Yeah, it's uncontested. So we may have actually passed, yeah. went ahead and passed it on the floor. I'd have to go back and check the tape, but I think we took a vote yes, on the board. we so. did have a vote. So I think we've already got that through. So I'm waiting on the Senate now. Yeah, because I remember asking. <laughs> yeah, I right. Said, this, is, this is the zombie. Yeah, yeah, drug. yeah. That's right. <laughs> so um, the we, medical subcommittee on Tuesday after session, we also heard House Bill 4624, which was dealing with gender reassignment. Um, again, uh, Chair subcommittee chair Mark Smith did a great job of being respectful, listening to both sides, uh, we did hear a lot of testimony, personal stories of of just trauma. It's always gut-wrenching. I mean, it, it is. It, and, and I feel not only for the kids who are struggling with identity, but the parents that are trying to navigate through that. Um, you know, I, I had an employee that was dealing with a child um, that that is going through that. And I've got a couple of friends that have had children that are going through that. Um it's, it's heartbreaking. It is. I mean, it, but I, like I said, whenever everything happened with me, God has a way of teaching you tolerance, and this is one of those things where they start struggling and asking, you know, um, is this something I need to reevaluate my views with? Right. And, you know, as a member who supports the legislation, I just, you know, tried to be respectful and listen because I don't care where you come down on this issue. It's a real issue that those parents and those families are dealing with. Yes. You know what I mean? And Well, it was one of the frustrating things. You had, what, two pediatricians come up and say, this is not a problem in South Carolina. This is one of those bills where they right. say it's not happening. Right. So why are you wasting your time? And one of the great things that Freedom Caucus did was sue MUSC to prove that this was happening. But right. then after those two pediatricians, you had people come up and say, well, this is going to affect how many kids? Well, and, and, and again, I, I don't know if it, it, it was folks just not getting their facts straight. 
or a ruse because when we passed it out of the medical subcommittee to, to the full committee's consideration for Wednesday, um, there was talk about from folks who didn't support the bill, could we add a, an, an amendment to grandfather in up to like 3,700 kids? In right. South Carolina, and if it's not happening, then why are thirty-seven hundred kids? And, and on that's what block? I that's that that was my question. And I said, yeah. "What? Wait a minute! We just heard testimony, and and again, folks are going to demagogue this issue. Um, I try to stay above that or out of it, and I know it's just it's impossible, right? Yeah. But um, especially with the, the the Twitter warriors out there um, during some of the testimony, we heard people on both sides of this issue, citing suicide rates for folks who take hormone blockers is, you know, half that of youth dealing with gender dysphoria who don't take it. You know yeah. what I mean? So they were citing opposite facts right. and, and studies to back both. Welcome to America now. You know? And I was like, what? So that's what I, I actually asked the question. I said, I, I addressed it to the chair, uh, Chairman Smith. I said, can we, when folks are citing studies... For the record, can we have those studies submitted and put into evidence? Uh, you know, for members like me who, you know, we were trying to get through as many stories and testimony as possible that we can go back on our own personal time and dig into some of those studies. I, it, well, I mean, not just with this, but with everything now in America, it seems like that. I mean, look at the COVID-19 vaccine, whatever right. we were talking about that. And, well, we weren't in the house at that time. But, you know, the information is get getting out there. You have medical professionals and scientists that are stating two different facts. Right. And it, it, it's become <laughs> – it, it's bad to say, but, I mean, if, if we can't even stick to simple science of what is a man and what is a woman, then how can we – if you can question that, that makes you question everything. And Correct. facts are facts. They shouldn't just be. It should just be a study providing the information. Right. But whenever you're supporting or submitting something as a fact, it needs to be proven. Yeah, I totally agree. So, um, so that was a obviously a um, big one. Powerful testimony. Yeah. We heard that Tuesday. Went on to to full committee Wednesday. Um, we did. I did offer up a friendly amendment. There was some aiding and betting language um, that I wasn't a fan of. I wanted to be more clear. So we, we fixed that. There was also a section that um, basically put some of the responsibility on the teacher to diagnose. Well, it could be – it didn't spell out that we were charging a teacher with diagnosing the gender dysphoria, but it left the door open right. that if it was ever challenged in court. So we, we went ahead and removed that section. So. And, and that's one of the complaints that we hear a lot is that, uh, you know, parents may not agree with it and then – you hear of teachers or counselors that want to, um, you know, I, I, I guess uh, make the student feel safe and make them feel like they can do whatever they want, however they're going against parents' wishes. Right. And that becomes one of the big issues. So that's the reason you hear from one side people want to prosecute teachers, counselors, right. um, uh, or doctors or anything else. I mean – it, and, I, and I tell you, I cannot understand for the life of me, and, and this is coming from a, a parent of a typical healthy daughter mm -hmm. and two special needs boys, and I rely on their teachers, all of them, to be a part of the team. Right. 
You know what I mean? Like there is an inherent trust. And we ran into some challenges during COVID with our boys with, with special needs because masks just didn't Don't jive. Work. Yeah. They, they go on more facial, ver- like nonverbal cues to communicate. And um, so I had challenges and I was passionate about it, but I was respectful about it. And so having that trust breakdown between teachers and parents is, is just something we got to work on just as a community. You know what I mean? Correct. But um, another thing uh, we, we got to last week was the AI committee. Which that was, you know, that that is my passion. It's the AI Cybercrimes Subcommittee, which both of us were lucky enough to be on. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for that because the last thing you want is people that are still using a flip phone um, kind of on the committee and not really understanding. We heard from a professor at the Citadel that's been working on AI for quite some time. Um, explaining the different levels because you've got AI in different aspects. You've got the reading portion, the talking portion, the image portion, and the um, and capability. The, but the, the and, stat and, that shocked me. And then the Terminator 2 version. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I believe it's all. <laughs> I tell you. I, I, I truly believe that it's all possible with AI because any machine, you know, you ever watch The Big Bang Theory? I didn't uh, watch that one. Okay. Well, there's a character on there, Sheldon, that takes everything oh, literal, yes. and he has no emotion. It's similar to the way that you would view AI. Right. So if you start analyzing what the problems are, are you take the emotion out of it and say, well, humans are the problem. Right. And, yeah, and you, you guys, so, so, yeah, yeah, it'd be like immune cells attacking a virus in your body. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, that's, and that's the way it would view it. I mean, you saw the AI robot that they, they tried to make do uh, assembly line, and after 15 minutes, the AI robot killed itself. Uh, it just didn't want to continue doing this repetitive action. Um, so the AI deduced to itself that this was not worth doing yeah. and just uh, and shut itself down and killed itself. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I tell you, th- that was like the new frontier for me, listening to that testimony in AI. I mean, just when, when the IBM folks came yeah. up and started talking – and she started talking about it's not just about intelligence. We're trying to program fairness and emotional intelligence. That scary. That's, man, that is, I wanted to raise my hand. Who's the judge? Yeah. Who's writing that code? Well, I, I brought that up, and I, got, I caught some heat. It's funny, because <laughs> uh, on county council, you always had Kerwood Chapel, who would always reference Hitler on things oh, whenever boy. he would bring up oh, boy. situations. And I, and I use that as an example. So what happens whenever someone controls it? Well, you know, you had the Nazi party that pushed this big propaganda machine. But what happens whenever it's the wrong person? And we are, we're already fighting algorithms that are controlling our mindset instead of allowing people to think for themselves. Yeah, right. But now you're talking about AI eliminating information and choosing which information could be out there. Um, luckily, you know, these, these AI models are not online, so to say, to access everything. I think they said they're operating off of 5% of the information right now, which was the stat that shocked me the most. Um, wow. So imagine how much information. You know, as we start adding things, how much they can do. And then you had the big CES program in Vegas, and they, you know, they showed a lot of the AI tech there. Certain things like um, a mirror that you look at that can track all of the blood flow within your face and can ID things such as hypertension, 
high cholesterol and everything just by looking at a mirror. Um, so there's a lot of good that AI can do. Um, and on my end, whenever it comes to fighting cyber crimes, my problem is, you know, we, you and I met with the company Roadblocks yes, and sat down with them and they talked about how they are using AI to weed out these bad actors that are trying to contact kids and the AI is flagging it. However, it's being backed up by human interaction to review prior. Right. Yet we have companies like Meta that are not utilizing things like this and instead going the opposite way, going to end-to-end encryption, which then no one can ever view the messages whenever the kids were being targeted. Yeah. Here in South Carolina, we want businesses that want to act responsibly. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, we live in a capitalist society. We understand folks want to invest money to make more money, right? Right. We want to make more than we we invest in, but... There's also got to be a, a responsibility factor that and you, I can't, think, you can't go scorched earth. I, I think that's what we're going to have to do as much as I hate like ESGs, emotional social governing. Yeah. Um, or I think what's going to have to happen is the people because Congress is bought. I don't care. No one is submitting anything in Congress or doing anything about it. In D.C. Uh, in D.C., Yeah. That's um, why I think you see they're this putting it trend. on the states. Yeah, well, well, not and it's de facto. It's yeah. just because they're gridlocked or they're just scared to move on anything, right? B- because they got to get reelected. Well, and I, whereas so, the states, we're like, hey, man, yeah, you know, t- take for instance the southern border, right? The federal government is actively opening up gates and removing barriers, allowing illegals in, and then putting them on airplanes and shipping them places and then giving them free places to stay. And we're like, what well, the hell? California just approved transgender surgery hey, pretty illegal. What what about what about the story in New York where they shut down a public school to house illegals and, and the all the kids virtual. had to go virtual. And I'm like, okay, well then stop don't they're not gonna pay taxes anymore. Yeah. You know? It's, or it, or at least pro rata share. I mean that's that's ridiculous. And I think that's what pisses people off. Yeah. And that doesn't make you racist or xenophobic or whatever. It's no. Well, I, I believe all of these terms, if someone calls you racist or homophobic or transphobic, whatever the term is, they're saying that they don't like what you're saying and they're just simply trying to shut down the conversation. Right. First of all, and I know this is an unpopular opinion, but we have the freedom of speech. If you want to be racist, it's your right to be racist. Right. But it's also my right to have enough common sense to say, hey, I'm not going to be listening to you too much anymore. Yeah, or I'm going to vote with my feet if you're a business owner. I'm right. not going to. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so, But there's too much of this name calling, and everyone wants to get offended. I, I know the right wants to point at the left as being offended, but the right is just as much of pansies as the left is on getting offended on stuff. <laughs> right. It, it, it's sad. Well, when it suits. Right. <laughs> so my yeah. point is, I mean, we, we don't need to get into D.C. politics and it's in, and it's ineffectiveness right now. Um, but all that to say, that's why state governments are more empowered. Right. right. I mean, we're taking on issues that D.C. politicians are scared to take on. Well, we can't be bought. D.C. politicians can. You get elected to the House 
the, the majority of your time is sit on in the DC level. Majority of your time coming out, you're going into a room and literally making, making phone calls. calls, trying to raise funds. Right. Whereas us, we can't receive more than a thousand dollars from anyone, individual, yeah, right, or principal of a lobbyist, and can't even receive a cup of coffee from even a lobbyist. I know. Um. It, it, so there's no buying us. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much they try to fight against well, us. How is our ethics laws? situated right now with the Freedom Caucus blowing that thing up Ooh. in that court case. Well, I mean, any from my understanding, anyone can set up a caucus. So we joke around about the Porch Caucus, but we could literally be the Porch Caucus and just raise money that way. Right. And the reason those ethic laws were put in there had nothing to do with the Freedom Caucus or anything else. No. It said that... I think there might have been some bad actors 20 years ago. Yeah, they called it the Fat and Ugly Caucus. And I think <laughs> they had like hookers and blow in a hotel room. And they were getting all kinds of money. It was shut down. What was Operation? I, I don't Lost remember. Trust. Lost, Lost Trust. Lost Trust. That's what it was. Yeah. Um. And, and I didn't follow politics back then, but, um. You know, that was one of the things. And only thing I know is from what I read in Fitz news about that <laughs> whenever it come up. But I don't know how much of that I trust anymore from yeah. seeing the spin on that we're getting well, on new things. We we got off in a ditch there Sorry. for a minute. <laughs> um. Uh. Lastly, uh, last week. Uh, a House resolution um, known as the rule change um, came up. The fun thing. <laughs> and, y- you know, it, you can speak to this in caucus, and, um, you know, the speaker's probably going to yell at me for saying this. but I wasn't in caucus, so I didn't Oh, hear. that's right. You weren't there either. Yeah. Well, I was, I was knee-deep in the transgender yeah. issue because we had caucus lunch and then – the we transgender had, we had our subcommittee. So you're talking to Mark and everything while so, you're having the lunch. So, court. yeah, uh, Representative Fawn Petalino and I were just pouring through binders of information. And and I remember, um, you know, this issue was brought up, but it wasn't until probably, I think this issue was brought up on Tuesday. It wasn't until Wednesday when I got a, a few phone calls from constituents. Yeah. Saying, hey, what's the deal with this rule change? Are trying to... You know, silence the minority, and and, and all this stuff. And not I said, silence the minority. Well, They're and, just saying silence the freedom cause. <laughs> right. And and I said, wait a minute. I, you know, I'll be frank. I haven't read it. I no. know there were some rule changes, but it was to expedite the business of the state in the House chamber. Right. And just to give everybody a a segue back to to last year when we were taking up the heartbeat bill. A thousand amendments. Over a thousand amendments were, were submitted to the desk that staff had to pour through, and then we had to debate on the floor of the House. We had to hear every one unless we deemed it non-germane. Yep. Um, and it just takes so much time, and they're using it to slow down the process. So it, my understanding is the Senate passed something similar to this three or four years ago Yes, to speed up the process. Yes. The part that I have the biggest problem with, because I came in, you know, I was sick Tuesday. Whenever I came in on Wednesday, I'm returning all the messages that I got on Tuesday regarding this. I had no clue that there was a House rule change right. um, in the committee or anything else. But the problem I have is everyone wants to leave out the fact that this pertains to when you call cloture. And for those that don't know, currently, we can call cloture immediately. As soon as the floor hits the bill, which means no additional amendments can be heard from that point. Now, 
if the Republican caucus is the big bad wolf, as the Freedom Caucus likes to try and point out, um, if they were that person, then we would have been calling cloture a long time previously. However, it takes away and it silences people's voice whenever you do that. So my understanding of the rule change was that, okay, you can still call cloture. However, you must now wait three hours before doing so. Yes. That sounds like a good thing to me. Yes. The problem that people have is once that three-hour mark hits, then the it's to party, not to caucus. So the Republican Party majority leader and the uh, Democrat Party minority leader then get to pick X number of amendments 12. that can be heard. So 12 each that can be heard after cloture is called yes. three hours later. And, I it's, don't, and it's my understanding then the majority leader and minority leader then can all also offer one more amendment. And a lot of times that's reserving for cleanup amendments. You know how we can... In, yeah. in, in haste trying to get an amendment to a desk, you, you make a grammatical error that's or it's duplicative language or or it's not consistent with the bill. So right. so, so basically the, thirteen amendments each. Yep. But but the After complaint the that minimum we hear, three hour. So the Freedom Caucus complaint is that they don't get to pick any amendments. Now they're not a party. They're a caucus. And if you're gonna give a caucus a reason to pick a Amendment, then you might as well give the South Carolina Legislative Black Caucus, the Women's Caucus, the Military Caucus. I mean, we can go through X number of caucuses that could actually submit amendments. So if you if you don't want to change the rule and we just stay to where we are, literally we can call <laughs> cloture immediately and no one's voice be heard. Yes. And, and there, there, so there, there were, this it, makes it we more would, fair. We would not be protecting protecting this rule protects dissenting opinion right this it, rule protects that voter safety if you don't want to have voter safety yeah then we'll call cloture but now you have three hours to tell you you have to wait three hours so and that becomes my argument the freedom caucus says that this is not just the freedom caucus the fitz news also claims this too it silences the voice of the Freedom Caucus, mm -hmm. which are the ones who are supposedly fighting for what's right. However, it doesn't mention that no amendments can be offered during subcommittee, full committee, where the public has input, and you can have the public back you up at. Right. And then it can be offered on the floor up to three hours. Well, I think that that, that was some of the heartburn as well, right. is, is getting rid of the motion period. You couldn't bypass the committee process. Right. right? You could literally pill pull a pre-filed bill, you know, off from the ether that was pre-filed but hadn't got a hearing yet in subcommittee or committee. But and only one person's ever done that, and that was Jonathan Hill. Yes, And correct. he did it with concealed carry. And right. we're talking about through 125 or so 250 years. Yeah. One person has one thing, one time that has happened. I, I believe it happened twice. The Confederate flag was, was the other. That's right. Okay. So again, it's very minimally used. Um, but cloture started to be used last year because of the slowing down of the process. Yeah, correct. And and primarily because Republicans have yep. a supermajority. Now the argument became that you can't have. Um, yeah. So you, you you can't have uh, or 
if the Republicans are a supermajority, why are you giving Democrats the amendment? The well, simple, uh, the simple answer to that is, there's a quote that uh, you know I, I kind of live by, and, and it's you know liberals and radicals rush at their agenda without giving heed to new problems that they may cause, mm-hmm. essentially, and that's not the exact quote, but. If we do things just because we're in power, what happens whenever you're not in power? We want to make things even regardless. You don't want to give a party more yeah. power. You want to give voices we want to be deliberate. process. We want to be deliberate in handling the state's right. business now, in, in the House. So. I do want to say one more thing, though. There is a possible solution, I think, with this, and that is if we just simply pulled the Republican and Democrat amendment portion and just said anyone, any 124 members that currently have an amendment, they can pick which one's most important after that three hours right. to be heard. And, and I think that idea got floated. I think there's a, a couple tweaks to this rule change that could satisfy everyone in the House chamber um, to where the spirit and the intent of the rule change is honored. Well, I so, had my former opponent send me a message to say, thank you for you know, stopping this from getting to the floor. It's like, I don't know who you think I am. I have no power to stop anything from getting to the floor. Listen, every, everybody has one vote. <laughs> exactly. Out of 124. Yeah. So, but, so. all right. All right. Well, we um, we talked about last week. Let's talk about this week. Fun stuff. Yeah, man. Looking at the, uh, the House meeting schedule tomorrow, um, you know, the 3M committee was busy last week. I think we're going to give staff, uh, you know, just a, a, a week to settle and, and, and get ready for the next one. Um, so we, we're handling that uh, gender reassignment on the floor uh, while uh, committee, you know, on the 3M side gets teed up for the, for the next week's work. Um, it looks like judiciary has a subcommittee. What is this? Judiciary Family Business and Probate Law Subcommittee. They're hearing House Bill 4618, which is sponsored by uh, Representative Jermaine Johnson, Gilda Cobb-Hunter, and our own uh, York County um, member, John King. The Maury Povich Bill. <laughs> the Maury Povich <laughs> Bill. So, so I reached out and, uh, and asked him about it, and, uh, you know, this bill seems uh, like a pretty common-sense bill. Now, I don't know all the DSS and Health and Human Services uh, – you know, regs that may run into conflict with this bill, but Jackson can clear that up for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> but so it was just an interesting bill that deals with paternity and child support. And I'll just tell the, the story that Representative King told me. He had a constituent who had a relationship temporary with a woman. She had a child. He was named as the father of the child. On the birth certificate. On the birth certificate. That's right. At a later date, found out. You are not the father. You are not (laughs) baby daddy. That's right. Well, guess what? He was paying child support the whole time. Well, he fell back on his child support, ran into some hard times with his job. He's a truck driver. Yeah. And. That's a violation. And guess what happened? Loses his CDL because he couldn't pay child support to a kid that ain't his. Right. And so when he found out that he was not the child's father, he tried to go and get his name removed from the birth certificate. Uh-uh. It ain't that easy. And, you know, this guy went through 
spent a lot of his time and money to try to get the truth out. Right. And so I think still to this day, he is still on the hook for the child support, but he's not paying it. So this bill addresses... And no one should have to hire an attorney to go through all that. Correct. You would think that if, if you list someone as the biological father, maybe a paternity test in, 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 in the cases where it's contested or where it's out of wedlock or something. I don't know. If it's just proven that it's not your child. It doesn't matter whether it's out of wedlock or not. I mean, if your wife goes out and has an affair and gets pregnant with someone else's baby, you well, get then, a divorce. Then that would be contested. It, well, yeah, true. <laughs> but, Very yeah, true. I, I just saw that on the calendar. I was like, wow. that's. I, I mean, that's common sense law. I, it is. And, and I told John that, hey, man, that's, that sounds pretty uh, common sense, uh, you know, seeking truth. So um, let me know, and I'll co-sponsor that to help you out. So um, that's Tuesday. Also going on Tuesday, out of the building, um, we do have the South Carolina Natural Gas Summit. Um, that's You'll taking be involved in that. Yep, that takes place off campus at the Alumni Center uh, all day tomorrow. And the South Carolina Natural Gas Summit brings together industry leaders, policymakers, and stakeholders to discuss the critical role of natural gas in South Carolina's economy and energy future. So the key themes this year is the natural gas industry in the state, the role of natural gas in power generation and economic development, and that's a big one, and the impact of federal and state policies on the natural gas industry. Um, so I was invited to be a panelist with a few other um, members. I think there's two two or three senators and, and maybe me and myself and Jay West on a panel discussion um, tomorrow for that. And that'll be at the Alumni Center. Yeah, and I have no experience whatsoever with energy. Uh, it, you know, we were talking just prior to us starting this podcast with the owner of 742 North, and Heath was spitting out terms that I had no clue what they <laughs> meant. So. Uh, but Wednesday, we do have the Liquor Liability Insurance Ad Hoc Committee, which is part of the judiciary, um, which that will be – that is a major problem that we are running into, whereas yep. bars – um, and restaurants are shutting down across South Carolina because they cannot afford the million-dollar minimum insurance policy, and it boils down to tort reform. Um, yeah, and that, you know, I've, I've heard that's a recent uh, change in law. I think I heard um, maybe on another po podcast, um, Bourbon in the Back Room, they were talking yeah. with uh, Will Folks, and they mentioned that that was a 2017 change that added that additional insurance. Which is making the cost go up high. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I am you know, have a side hustle in real estate development. I have yeah. a tenant who runs a, a bar, and because he serves liquor, it's, I think he said his insurance coverage was a five multiple from yeah. what he originally intended right. or what he, what, what he budgeted for. So, um, you know, I'll be interested to see what we can come up with on that. The question is, is do, do, do we, we change, yeah. just go back and change that law or, or what? So, I think the big push is on tort reform, meaning that uh, you can't sue any and everyone involved. You have to, um, you know, whenever we sp spoke with Mr. Mulligan, um, he was a big proponent to this because places like VFWs are right. getting hit with these massive insurance costs where yep. they can't sell any type of alcohol. Um, to their members. Yeah, there's got to be some something we can do for, you know, when 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 a person has a mimosa, 
you know, on a Saturday morning and then just goes on a Saturday binge. Right. If they go to one bar in the morning, they get a mimosa, and then they go to four other bars under the current law, all four of them bars can be sued. Therefore, their insurance costs is through the roof. Any any attorney worth their salt is going after the biggest insurance. I mean, we've seen it here um, in Rock Hill. I mean, you know, you had the gentleman that got uh, punched out in front of the sandbars, what it was called. Um, Now Outsiders, right? Yeah, Outsiders now. Um, But, you know, that place was shut down because of liability. Yep. Because they said that both of the people were overserved. Yeah, so that'll be a good one. It looks like we're hearing from, man, looks like y'all are hearing, because you're on that. So it looks like you'll be hearing from Department of Insurance folks, malpractice associate, medical malpractice association, uh, personal injury lawyers, uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, Low Country Hospitality Association. So y'all are going to get a full, full 360. Yeah. Um, and, and to be perfectly clear to everyone on here, I didn't realize I was on this ad hoc committee until we sat down on this podcast. Hey. Um, and my name's written at the top of the piece you know, of paper. Another, <laughs> another benefit of doing the work in, in for a podcast. Yeah. You know. but, but you have to wait until, what, today? I mean, because a lot of this information isn't even out. I mean, yeah. still, we've got a we've got a AI, cybersecurity, and cybercrime subcommittee on Thursday. We still don't have an agenda for it. Yep, I think they're lining up uh, yeah. folks for testimony and, and expert w- witnesses. So, yeah, th- this thing moves moves pretty quick, man. You got you got to pay attention. Yes. Um, an- another thing that I wanted to bring up um, that is happening on Tuesday is uh, there is a healthcare subcommittee meeting. Uh, for Ways and Means, and they're on Tuesday, they're hearing from, uh, well, they're hearing on the topic of South Carolina Center for Rural and Primary Healthcare. So healthcare is a, a, a big deal for, for all the states in our country, but um, here in South Carolina with us just repealing uh, the certificate of need, uh, the rural health healthcare um, argument that if we pass it, rural healthcare would die um, is a concern. You know, we want to make sure that we don't abandon folks who don't live around major metropolitan areas of South Carolina. So, yeah, um, I, I agree with that. But I, I think we've got a real problem with mental health and we've got to address that. Uh, to me, that is. Oh, yeah, totally. The most important issue right now um, so I'll in be, the healthcare realm. I'll be curious to see what comes out of that subcommittee as far as, um, you know, are we going to allocate additional resources? Um, how can how can we offer up solutions um, to address those those folks in our rural rural parts of the state. So. Yeah, and I I dropped a uh, new bill last week, um, and I, I don't have a number yet. I don't know if it was right across the floor because I dropped it late on Thursday, right before we adjourned. Um, but it is essentially an online building code. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Because one of the problems that we have is. Everything that gets passed gets challenged on the First Amendment and saying that it violates the First Amendment because even pictures and videos online are actually written code, essentially. Um, and so they can argue the privacy or right. the freedom of expression. Or right. Um, it, but the problem is, is you have teens and you have kids online. And a lot of this stuff, we already have laws in place. You know, some certain things like... Um, age verification for, for pornography, we don't allow kids to walk into a gas station 
and select their age when buying alcohol or tobacco or buying a adult magazine. Right. Yet online, they, do they still they have the plastic it. with the with the dark cover with the date so on it? <laughs> we're trying to offer up an online version of that. Yeah, it's it's not. But you, but you need to show that you are of age before correct. you can get on there. That we're not. If if a plastic bag with the with the, that that dark shade, yeah. you know, if that is essentially what we're doing online, and so I guess I would argue that we're, we're all we're trying to do is keep kids away from harmful. Right. Content. Ultimately, if we treated online as personal property like we do everything else, mm-hmm. then our current laws would apply. However, we don't because we classify everything and it's protected under Section 230 on the federal level, right. which allows, uh, which keeps those companies from ever being sued. Back to that federal level thing. Again. Right. So um, why the inaction on a federal level about Section 230? You know, I mean, I remember this being talked about when a Republican was in the White House. I remember hearing about it even today, and we have a Democrat in the White House. Why are people afraid to address Section 230? Biden and Trump both said that they were going to repeal Section 230. Neither one of them did anything. Trump actually held his last budget on stating that they were going to repeal 230 and backed out. As far as our Congress, our, our Congress members and our senators, it's a lack of balls. I don't know a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, they're bought and paid for. They have to raise money. And the digital lobby of today is equivalent to the cigarette lobby of back in the day. But they've gotten smart and they've hedged their bets. So now you have the privacy lobby and you have the digital lobby fighting against each other for inactivity. And, right. you know, we're too busy fighting. Mean, there's so much garbage on the federal level. I mean, our federal system is so far gone. I can't stand... Um, hearing anyone that praises the federal level complaining about anything on the state level, like it, it, it is I, I, frustrating. I, I do get a chuckle when 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 you hear from uh, folks on the federal level, yeah, saying how you know, given critiques of how a state legislator is handling their business, right? You know, it, and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. And I'm not saying it's easy because you've got, you know, what. That's like getting to... marriage advice from the guy who's been married eight times. Yeah. You know? And I'm <laughs> like, come on, man. I, I do believe there there is, uh, you know, you've had Lindsey Graham and you've had uh, Elizabeth Warren both speak up about the problems with Section 230. Um, you had even, um, you know, Ron DeSantis, whenever he was down there, spoke up against Section 230. Um but it it's bullying back down to on the state level. And if we just repealed Section 230, a lot of these problems would work themselves out because, and hear me out on this, the, um, the platform, so let's say Facebook is a field of property that you own. Whenever Nikki Haley said we need a digital ID and everyone should know who it is, she said it wrong, and right. that, that became the problem. However, if I own Facebook and that is my field, I should 100% know who is on my field. Therefore, I can hold them responsible. They're hiding behind the idea, the um, saying that it's an IP address. Now we have all these different ways um, to do that. But if Facebook was being sued for things that are being done on their platform, especially whenever we're talking about the mental health with our youth, 
and we're talking about situations of suicide, like with my son, mm-hmm. um, and you have predators that are pretending to be someone else and targeting children, and Facebook is allowing 13-year-olds on their site, um, you know, without parental consent or anything else, and then you have these criminals attacking, yet they can't be responsible for anything that happens on their platform. Well, you know, you would think that a responsible company would want to fix that. Instead, they hide behind Section 230. So the response is if you pull away Section 230 and Facebook starts getting sued for allowing a predator, and and, and I want to make this perfectly clear because I want to say how malicious they are about it. So whenever everything happened with Gavin, you had a profile that had messaged him through Instagram Messenger, and it was a name, and then it said 28 right? That person, once Gavin took his life, SLED, Homeland, everyone gets involved and has that profile pulled down off of Instagram, right? Instagram pulls it. That is great. The problem is, is every other profile that was connected to that individual, because you could have multiples. They leave it up. They left it up. And that person continued to, to go on Gavin's post and post a message saying, this is why everyone's saying rest in peace, Gavin, fly high, Gavin Guffey, and all this other stuff. That person posted on Gavin's Instagram post saying, do you have what we talked about? Time is ticking. Then they go and they try to extort my 16-year-old son who just lost his brother within 48 hours. They extort the 14-year-old cousin that just happens to share the last name right. in Concord. And then they went as far as sending me a message on just before what – less than 30 days after Gavin died, sending me a message that said, did I tell you your son begged for his life with a laughing face emoji? And Meta left them up. So there's no telling how many other kids these criminals targeted. And Meta is too too focused on absolving themselves of liability instead of fixing the problem. Right. So they give money to this to this nonprofit called that's with Nick Mac called Take It Down, which sounds like a good idea. I call it blowing air up the skirt because what it does is it takes any picture that's posted of a kid, they will have it pulled down from online. <laughs> um, call Gary so, Brew back. Y- yeah, Gary's calling in while we're <laughs> on. But they, they will take a picture if a kid says this picture was shared of me, they will use that digital ID to pull that picture down and scrub the internet up. Sounds great. But if I take a screenshot of that picture, guess what? That's a new digital ID that you don't have a clue about. Yeah. And I can continue to post it. And, you know, that's the challenge of of making law. But I we tell shouldn't you, have to. The, but the Internet and, and, and AI and what you talked about, the quantum, yeah. all, all computing and all those things, that's going to – we're going to have to be very nimble and, and ready to – you know what I mean? So this next Man, AI committee. It's about as, as fast as we make rules, what we call laws, we can't they're already it. going around it. Right. We, we can't keep up with how fast it moves, and the Internet needs to be held to the same standards that we currently have in place. We currently have laws to protect people against this. It's just those two lobbies are fighting to absolve those companies of it. Uh, but at the same time, so we've got this AI committee coming up. I spoke with someone with ICAC, which I've dealt with in the past. Tell, they called tell, tell the two listeners ICAC. ICAC is. ICAC is the Internet Crimes Against Children. So SLED has the South Carolina ICAC. So South Carolina Internet Crimes Against Children. 
And we have great professionals. Now, do we have enough? No. But we have some great um, online, uh, you know, uh, police, I guess is what you would say. And SLED is a great resource in South Carolina. We could do more to address this. And I think it's the biggest problems that we're going to have coming forward. But so they reached out to me and told me, hey, I'm going to be coming to testify. I was reached out to by the committee for the AI cybercrimes. And they were talking about an issue. And while he was telling me, he said, so, you know, there was a video of Chief Kill online where they used AI and made it look like he said something that he didn't know. It was Governor McMaster. Looked like he said something that he did not. AI generated. And he was talking about how simple it was. I said, do a video of me, oh, please, that's right. saying the most ridiculous things, and I want that to be presented. You know, m- people might get scared and say, oh, well, this is – idiots will look at it and take it as fact. But yes. anyone that truly knows me and follows me will see this is outright lies that this AI is generating, but they're going to show it to the whole committee. And I can't wait to see what they say. Yeah, yeah, well. Um, and that, that's the exciting work that that committee is going to be doing. I mean, it, it is just going to be, uh, you know, I know it's an ad hoc committee right now with hopes that it will be a permanent committee, but, you know, what social media and the impact it has on our kids, their mental health, uh, young girls especially, um, and then all the other bills that, I mean, you've submitted how many? <laughs> I a can't even keep so? up. I get phone calls each day, and they're like, well, what about this bill? I'm like, I can't keep up with which one's which. So one of the ones I submitted was um, – you know, I didn't do the age verification because that Weston Newton has that in 4,700. Yep. Um, I, we didn't do the social media minimum age verification because someone else has that. Yep, um, and, and just to give a little context, I, I was working on that personally last year um, when it wasn't. It I think, wasn't even a topic right. before Gavin's Law was even heard. Right. Yeah, and, Heath was big on that. And I remember talking to, to folks, whether it be in the, the attorney general's office or – were folks who, you know, had advocacy programs about protecting kids. And so just a little personal story. Um, my daughter is going to be 15 here here in a few weeks. She does not have a cell phone. But yes. that's just my personal belief. You know, I, I want to know who my daughter is hanging out with. I want to know who's talking to my child and, all, and, and my boys. And so, you know, when we were growing up, it, it just was simpler. You know, there, right. there, there was a hardline phone, and you hoped, you'd, you'd beg your folks, in my case, my mom, hey, can we get a longer cord so I can run around down the hall in into my room so she couldn't eavesdrop, you know? Right. And, and, and again, I know it's old-fashioned, but I want to know what's going on in my daughter's life. I want well, to know who she's talking to. I want to know who her friend group, group is. I want to know who she likes. Do you hold that until she's 18? Um, that becomes the question. So I told her when she was seven, and you know she she did the the ballet thing for a little while. And she was when she was seven, she was the only child who wasn't bringing a, a device, mm-hmm. whether it's a phone or an iPad, to a full dress rehearsal. Seven, mm. and I know that was isolating for her, but hopefully it'll benefit her in in you know in the long run. But nope, I told her back then when. You get a phone, not social media now, but you get a phone when you're driving or you have a job, and she's about to turn 15. So, well, I lost my son at 17. Yeah. So, 
But now I'll get her a phone, but I'm yeah. not getting any of that other stuff. It's going to well, be what you've got a to phone. do. There, there is a good company out there called CyberDive, and there's I another saw, company I saw that called, post. called Bark. But hey, hey, hey! But actually, she's not going to listen to this podcast. But I'm definitely using that. Yeah, as a mirror, basically, right? Yeah, and and it records it. So with Meta going the opposite way to to absolve themselves of any liability. By taking Messenger and making an end-to-end encryption, they're saying, right. well, we couldn't read it if we wanted to. So if a crime happens, they can't even access the messages. So everything is completely locked, which sounds great unless you're talking about children. So companies like CyberDive record everything that's on the phone. So you can essentially rewind. And that wow. the problem is, is there's so many kids, you know, there's a family in, uh, in Sumter, South Carolina. Um, and, and, and the kid took his life and no one knew what was going on. The family didn't, I've been speaking with his mother and I'm not going to mention the name because, uh, right. you know, it just out of privacy, but at the same time, you're looking at five, six months later, she finally found out it was sextortion. Yet she, the police have already given her the phone back. She scrubbed it and handed it off to the next kid to start using before she knew. She just had no clue before. Oh, right. A company like CyberDive is the only recourse that you have to go back and see what happened in minutes before. What were they doing on their phone? Whether it's a tech, it doesn't matter whether it's end-to-end encryption, there's no hiding. Everything that's done on your phone is recorded, and if your parents want to go back and rewind at any point. Now, you can't be that helicopter parent that's going to sit there and watch everything your kid does and be able to protect them. And the best thing that we can do is spread awareness, which is what I'm trying to do with the yeah, nonprofit. That's right. That's right. Um, and make these kids aware that they are being targeted by professionals. Yep. Yep. And, you know, like you said at, at lunch the other day is, you know, we, we live in a society that, you know, with social media and everything, everything's online. Yeah. Everything seems to be permanent, you know, in, in a child's eyes or a teenager's eyes. And being able to when, when, when whether it's our kids or ourselves, we fall down. Offering grace. Right. You know? And I don't, I don't know if I said this on the last podcast, but I always let people know I'm one of those that refuse to delete anything on social media. You'll see me where I say something. I can be completely wrong. I'll make another post stating that I was wrong, but I refuse to delete. Right. Because I believe that if you think what I said two days ago was stupid, look what I said two years ago. <laughs> like, it, like there needs to be some type so, of growth. So you're, and it's not almost, gonna, so you're not going to be a Supreme Court justice, not, is what you're saying. But it, in truth, we need to look at it because, like I tell people, it, it took me 30 years to become a Christian because I thought everyone was either perfect or a hypocrite. And it wasn't until I learned that we're all messed up that I could accept Christ. Right. We've got to get back to that as a society. No one is perfect. I don't care who you are, how yep. much you act like your crap doesn't stink. It does. And you've all made mistakes and quit acting like you're better than someone else and quit all this judging. And we need to try and lift each other up. Yeah, I instead. agree. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest messages that we need to share with our teens yeah. is the lack of grace and how we need to bring it back. But it's yep. got to start with us as adults. Well, we'd be, we'd be uh, remiss without uh, also talking about um, – also this week, we get the final JMSC report. I think I saw that they met today. So and we'll, once, a, yeah, Monday, yep. And so we'll get that final report, and I believe it's tomorrow at noon. I right? have it, noon is I, when the race is on, Guffy. Um, for folks we who have don't what, know, forty candidates. Yeah. So so 
our halls between this Tuesday at noon until the elections, I believe it's February the 7th, we have judicial candidates running up and down the halls. Um, and, and these folks are just trying to introduce themselves, you know, because these are our judges. Yes. <laughs> yes. From family court, circuit court, appeals court, Supreme Court. Um, you know, it, it, we don't care. It's degrading. We, we want to see you in the parking garage. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I tell you, last year I, I was just, because I was, I was new, I was unfamiliar with the process, I was like, really? Like this is this is how we this is this is what we did. It felt like you were running out of a you know how everyone lines up at a football game and you run through yeah, 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 and you're yeah. giving as the you're, high yep, fives. Yep. That's what it felt like last year as we're trying to walk into the state house underground and you've just got judges lining the walkway you know, to maybe, shake maybe, your hand maybe and maybe we can do yourself. that. give each judge judicial candidates, you know, maybe some intro music to well, walk in. I don't wanna sound it, my problem is, is I feel like I'm coming off rude because they're wasting, they're not wasting, but they're giving so much time to be down there just for you to get to know them. However, I'm horrible at remembering someone's name, right. and yet I've got 40 people I've got to learn, and then I've got to learn every issue. And if I do it like I did last year and go through everything, by the time it comes to select, most of them have already dropped out. Right. And I feel like I'm wasting so much time. So I will be one of the last to commit on any judge. Oh, and yeah. I don't plan on going through this JMSC report with a fine-tooth comb until it's about time to vote. And I will not be committing to anyone. I usually prior. go – so Tuesday of last week, they started walking around and just introducing themselves. And, um, you know, I enjoyed just talking, getting to know them. Um, they could you know, never answer any I, questions for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm not an attorney anyway. What I would like to do is know them as a person, their kids, their family, you know, those types of things, get get some substance. And then a lot of times you ask who they've been working with. You ask other attorneys they've worked with, other judges that they've no. come before. I like peer review. You know what I mean? So um, it'll be interesting to see this week. It, it's going to be a horse race. Uh, we don't know what we're going to be um, – you know, I seeing, do think we need we, more we family see, court judges we, here. Yep. We, well, we, we've done a good job with adding some uh, judicial um, seats. I think we added three or four from last year to this year. So um, we're thankful for that. And we'll get started this week with uh, the official race and, um, you know, see what happens. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there in the bushes is the, the filibuster. <laughs> They're lurking. I'm hearing that won't happen. Well, yeah. So I, you know, I, I know and, the filibuster and, and, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that Senate filibuster that our own Wes Clymer has talked about, uh, you know, because judicial reform is important, and uh, you know, he's he's pulling out the Trump card. He he's saying that, you know, he he's going to filibuster all judicial races besides that of the uh, Supreme Court. And, uh, you know, we'll just uh, see what shakes out this week. And I believe he's even speaking with the attorney general and, uh, and another senator. Yeah, in Spartanburg. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting. However, what I'm hearing is that he will not be able to approve uh, Justice Kittredge and then filibuster. So it's going to be an all or nothing. So he's either got to choose whether it's going to be a filibuster or no filibuster. You know, as OAR says, it's a crazy game of poker, you know, so. Uh, I, I don't know how them rules are. <laughs> I remember the first time we had joint uh, committee, and I'm trying to think of the senator that's sitting down over beside of us. 
and the Freedom Caucus started throwing up a bunch of amendments during our judicial process last year. Yeah. And he stood up, submitted a rule, and then as it got done, what did he say? He said, welcome to the effing Senate. Yeah, yeah. And sat back down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, that senator will, be, will remain nameless, but he knows who he is. <laughs> so, he was just like, we're not playing these games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they were calling a roll call for every Yeah, you know, every vote. So, all right, well, episode two in the books, man. Yeah, and now we're going to have to film episode three. We'll probably have to film on Saturday. Okay. Because I'm supposed to be flying out on Sunday. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, so, and we also have the men's breakfast yes, this Sunday Oakland, coming up at Oakland Baptist Church. Starts at 8 o'clock. I know that's early for most folks uh, on a well, Sunday. Well, we're actually doing the sermon, too. Yeah, yeah. We just found that out. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, you know, I always give uh, pastor my pastor, Jeff Hayes, a hard time when, when uh, he substitutes his sermon or, you know, a guest a guest uh, pastor or an associate pastor takes it. I'm like, oh, did you get the week off? You know, yeah. so. Well, uh, he, I, I love the fact that we, we got lunch to uh, on Sunday to discuss and all the planning, and I am just the opposite of planning anything. I'm yeah. always, my entire philosophy is don't anticipate, participate. Yep. So, we yeah, we get to uh, help host a men's breakfast, help with um, service at Oakland Baptist, talking about, the issues of protecting our children with social media, yes. uh, online porn, and, and, and you're going to tell your personal story. And, and I want to put this out there. All of these issues that we talk about, whether we're talking about paper ballots, um, whether we're talking about, you know, some people want to bring back up abortion, transgender, all of these issues. Nothing is more important, in my opinion, we have to make these uh, laws or regulations. We have to get our mind around what is coming before it gets here online. And I we've agree. really got to watch it because our entire, you know, our kids are guinea pigs right now. And we don't know how to tell them how to handle things. And things are moving more rapid than we can keep up with. Totally agree. And, and, and I saw it personally in the relationships um, my daughter and her friend experienced. She was the last one to ever get an iPad. She was, she didn't have a phone, you know, and all those things. And, and there is just the data will shock you and scare the bejesus out of you. If you really dig into it on the mental health crisis, it's here, right? We just haven't fully recognized it. And, so. and the way that we're going to get it changed is going to be, uh, you know, better than laws would be, as I was trying to mention earlier, like the ESG, just making these companies, shaming them, essentially, into doing what's right. right. We shouldn't have to legislate stuff like this. Well, that's the world we live in. So. Yeah. But thank you all for listening again. Yep. And uh, hopefully episode two is as successful as episode one was. And we will see you all next week. Yeah. All right. We want to give a shout out to our sponsors this week. Yep, and another thank you to to those sponsors here at 742 North. This is the co-working and networking space here on uh, Anderson Road. 742 North Anderson That's Road. right. <laughs> if you're looking for uh, some office space, contact Caitlin Farrell. She's the community manager here. That's Caitlin at 742north.com. And also want to thank, again, Comer Distributing for, man, most importantly, 
providing the, the Sudsy pint. beverages. Yes, and Slow Play. Yep. I mean, it, you know, Comer distributes it, but Slow Play made it. That's like right. Said, ben and his team brew it, and uh, it's a great beer. Mow your lawn, especially uh, when it's hot and sunny outside. Yes, sir. So we'll see you all next week.